I want me some glory holes. happening everybody this is the philly experience podcast i'm your host max gretzula joined tonight by tanner gilmart entire hood chris stacker not on the panel tonight but he will join you shortly via instagram we're going to post an instagram video uh and have chris give his analysis on this past uh actually last night against the montreal canadians uh solid game one w for the flyers and they take a 1-0 series lead so we'll uh, we'll get you further information uh, about Chris and his analysis on the Flyers game uh, later on the show towards the end, and then uh, you know we have an Instagram account now, guys. Follow it at the Philly Experience Podcast on Instagram. That's where you'll get all of our news and updates about all your favorite Philly sports teams. So check us out there. Um, again, we post daily, so um, you know we we try to get you, you guys the fastest updates, um, you know the fastest lineup cards for the Phillies and things of that nature. Um, try to get you uh, the fastest, you know you know, responses of the of teams and details of what's happening with the games after each, you know, game finishes, uh, post-game reaction, things like that. So uh, check us out again at the Philly Experience Podcast on Instagram. But, guys, what? tonight we have a ton to get to. One of my, you know, I, I would say one of the more highly anticipated shows that we've had uh, on this uh, channel, on this, you know, Zoom chat that we've been doing during the pandemic. Again, hopefully everybody's staying safe. But, uh, guys, the Phillies, we, we got to kick it off with the Phillies. Um, a lot of Phillies talk tonight. Um, so much excitement coming into this season for this team. And so far just hasn't panned out. Again, we got our ass kicked. Uh, yeah, T, well said. That, that's, uh, that's just flat out, man. Flat out has not been pretty for this team. And, guys, uh, let's get our opinions on the bullpen first, T. I'll throw it to you. Uh, probably uh, we knew it was a problem coming into the season, you know, uh, the bullpen. Not too many arms to rely on. Uh, when you look at our bullpen right now, you, you got to think Hector it's stupid. is our best pitcher out there. That's not a good thing when when I say that, you know. So, uh, what's your opinion that so far? I know it's not going to be good, but uh, <laughs> what have you seen? Um, I think all four of us could probably go out there and pitch better than this bullpen. And I'm not bullcrapping when I say that. Like I am so serious right now. It is absolutely ridiculous what we have seen out of this bullpen. And I stated this in our group chat that we we basically have the same problems last year. Like all we did was change managers, upgrade the batting even more. But yet and still, we're still in the same position that we were last year. Like that's the pure definition of insanity It's a simple fact that, you know, we didn't change a damn thing. We're still we still have the same issues from last year, which is the freaking bullpen, the pitching. This is absolutely ridiculous. Zach Wheeler. We're recording this Thursday night. What, he gives up four runs before he's taken out? This is absolutely – this is the starting pitcher, not the relief pitchers who gave up the rest of the runs. This is the starting freaking pitcher. This is absolutely ridiculous. What are we paying these guys for? Yo, man, this is really frustrating because we went in – like you said, we had high aspirations for this baseball team. Considering we're paying somebody $330 million, we have one of the best managers in the MLB and supposedly one of the best batting lineups in the MLB, but yet and still the bat still can't out hit the pitching, which is the main problem here. And it's a problem that wasn't fixed in the offseason, unfortunately. Yo, you know what? Straight up, 
I want winners. Because this is getting this is getting frustrating and ridiculous. Seriously. Yeah, it's a, statistically the Phillies have the worst bullpen in baseball, the worst ERA specifically. And Tanner, uh, you got to look at these guys and uh, look at Joe Girardi. I mean, what, look at all the stress that's got to be on his shoulders during this whole time. Yeah. It, don't get me wrong. Joe Girardi's still doing a great job. Um, the moves he's making in this lineup, he's trying his best to make this team a winning team. As today, he put Boehm in the lineup, uh, Kingery out, and Hoskins out. He put um, Walker in for Hoskins, too. And uh, as for now, we watched Alec Boehm get his first hit. All right, he plays both corners. He can play first base, too. And... Uh, really going forward, it's going to be interesting to see now with Boehm here what will happen with Kingery and what will happen with Hoskins because just to go into Reese Hoskins and to uh, delve into another topic, he has zero home runs so far. Uh, I know this is only game 13, but it's a 60-game it's a series. So that things is are gonna, blasphemous! Things are going to start moving faster. Um at the end of last year, Hoskins, he entered a slump, and some people were discussing uh, getting rid of Hoskins, and I, I thought that was an, a bad idea back then. But it's the next season, and he has 10 strikeouts, zero home runs, as I mentioned, and just one RBI. Now now I know that I mentioned this is only game 13, uh, but – I'm. I think right now I'm all right to say that I'm okay with the Phillies moving on from Hoskins when that time comes. What do you guys think? Do you guys think that Hoskins oh, no! uh, can still prove something? Uh, what do you guys think? Yeah, listen, Tanner. I think you make a good point. Hoskins has been really bad so far this season. There's no way around it. You said the stats right there: zero home runs, one RBI so far. Batting uh, in the two hole, mind you. Um, we've heard discussions uh, lately in the Philadelphia area as far as will Reese Hoskins be moved? Should he be moved from that two hole um, down lower in the lineup? Um, but I think you look at when he came up into baseball, you know, made his debut a few years back, um, never really hit for average. You know, he's, he's a more of a run producer and a power hitter. Um, and I think he needs to get back to, you know, watch film and, and get back to where he was. Listen, this team can really use any kind of production that he used to have a few years back, you know, Definitely. I know we have a pretty solid offense and it would be even better if he can contribute at the level he used to do. So I don't, I'm not a coach. I'm not saying I know how to fix the problem, but um, for me, just as a fan, um, I think he's got to go back and watch film of his, you know, better days as a player. Um, See if he can get back to, uh, you know, maybe, maybe tinker with his mechanics as far as his stance. Um, He, uh, he, he changed his stance up in spring training the first go around and had a more of an upright stance with the bat higher off the shoulder. And uh, when he went, came in the summer camp, it was now you can see it's lower back on the shoulder instead of straight up in the air, it's lower back, um, which is kind of where he was um, earlier in his career. So I don't know if that um, message is had at all. He just looks like he's not his, mentally um, he's struggling to find his his ability at the plate. And uh, I think that's contributing. It's more of a mental game for me. We all know he's got a talent, right? He's he's put it, put it on performance on the field. Um, for a, a long stretch of time, right? This isn't just like uh, – he, he didn't just come up uh, now this year or, or even last year. You know, he's been up here a few years now, so we know he's talented. I'm not going to say give up on the guy, right? He, he plays an everyday first base. He's still young. I think he's age 26. Um, it's ridiculous. At, especially right now, can he – do we even have any value? Or does he have any value, I guess I should say, as far as trading him? 
Uh, probably not, right? Because he's struggling so much at the plate. But uh, I suggest yeah, I'm you. Anxious. I'm anxious to get your opinion. I suggest you trade him now before his value gets any any worse. I mean, it's crazy because we had this discussion towards the end of the season last year when we were discussing, hey, do we move on from Reese Hoskins? And I don't 100% remember, but I do remember that I was on the side of saying that you might want to entertain trading Reese Hoskins because you need to upgrade this pitching. And at this point, I think you have more than enough bats you know, in your rotation to where you can say, okay, I, I'm willing to give up this bat, especially considering that this bat in particular isn't performing up to the standards that we expect him to um, based off of years past. So with all that being said, I think it might, you might have to start exploring some options when it comes to Reese Hoskins. I don't know how easy it's going to be um, with everything going on with the pandemic going on and whatnot, but that is something that this team probably is going to need to explore. Honestly, I'm right. sorry. Yeah. And mind you, Alec Bohm is six five. Uh, he he plays first base. Um, he'll definitely he definitely fits the part. And whether that that means moving Gene around the infield as he as he occasionally does, um, I don't know. As Max mentioned, we are not coaches, uh, but mm -hmm. I'm sure Joe Girardi can figure something out. And if we get something for Hoskins, which I, I doubt at this point, uh, we'll get a lot. But that's something to entertain. Yeah, guys, I look back at that J.P. Crawford trade. He's now tearing it up this year with the Mariners um, oh, and you know, getting Segura back in that deal. Um, Man, that's ludicrous. You know, he's, he's been a productive player, of course, don't get me wrong, but his natural position is second base. I think what the Phillies organization wants is Scott Kingery to be the everyday second baseman, but from what I've seen from him so far, he's probably been the, a bigger disappointment, I should say, maybe the mm -hmm. biggest disappointment on the team. Uh, I know the bullpen as a whole is up there, but I think – um, I'm personally, I, I'm a little bit higher on Reese than you guys are. I know he struggled so much this season. Um, but again, things are just so weird right now and I don't want to make excuses for him, but just okay. the timing is 60 game season. Like I just don't know the stopping and starting for these major league hitters. It, the game's already hard enough. You know, we, we don't know what it's like to stand in the box, try to hit a 99 mile an hour fastball. And then the next pitch, you know, you, you get an 80 mile an hour curveball. You know, we don't know if the game's hard enough. Okay. I just think I wish Scott Kingery. Uh, it was just a little bit more productive. You know, we gave him a, a long contract, not money-wise, but year, yearly. Mm -hmm. I think it was like seven years, about two years ago. And then we really wanted him, in my opinion, to take over the second base role, you know, getting rid of Cesar. And he really has come in this season. He hasn't looked great at the plate at all. You know, he doesn't walk because, he, you know, he's got speed, but he, he can't get on base to use it. And then you look at his defense. He's probably played one of the worst second basemen. Uh, he's probably played one of the worst second bases I've seen in a long time. Um as far yeah. as, you know, around the baseball, you know, I've seen a lot him? of balls hit towards him this season. I'd say maybe four or five that I can remember off the top of my head. And, and remember, we've only played, what, 12 games? This 13 is our 14th games? game. Yeah. 14 yeah. Game. And I can, I can name probably four or five times where the ball's hit to him. Yeah, granted, it's a hard-hit ball. But, again, major leaguers got to make plays like that. And, and you would see it ricochet off his glove, fly in the right field, and then Bryce has to jog over and pick it up. You know, just little things right. like that that I feel like we never had to worry about with Cesar, you know, not wishing that we had Cesar back still, mm -hmm. but – same time and yeah, go ahead, especially when you have a guy phil goslin who plays second base also and with kingery batting just 100 his batting average uh he has just four hits it's really easy to at this point replace him in position until he he finds himself because last year he was playing well uh um, was he was uh he's contributing and definitely just this year uh, I don't know if it has anything to do with him being sick earlier in the season. Maybe uh, it, it just takes time for him to get back to where he was, but uh, we'll have to see where it goes from there. 
Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think Andrew McCutcheon, another guy we have to mention, has been a pretty, I was about a to pretty, say, big, yeah. a pretty big disappointment too, T. I mean, listen, this guy's our leadoff hitter, and this man is hitting, what, 130, 140? Right. That's a problem, you know? All right, Tanner, what happened to this guy? Andrew McCutcheon. What happened to that guy? Uh, he's there, man. He's just got a – that knee's still healing. Um, he, He's not where he was, but, uh, you know, you, you can't be down on him until – I'm opposite of how I feel of uh, Reese Hoskins. I just want to take time on Andrew McCutcheon because I think he's still a really good player. Yeah, I, definitely I a leader in the clubhouse. Um, and I think uh, the, tonight, uh, I don't know if he had a, a game off, but Joe did say recently in post-game interviews that he wants to get McCutcheon off his feet, uh, at least in the outfield, uh, mm-hmm. game, for games here and there. Like tonight he was the designated hitter at the top of the lineup. Um, so I don't know if, if that's going to be, um, you know, a regular occurrence. But I do think what I liked uh, was Adam Hazley in the leadoff spot. I think he produced really well. He's hurt now going on the I.L. That's one of the reasons why Alec Boehm is up. Uh, but I think Alec Boehm uh, shows any sign of life as far as being productive in this lineup. He'll be here to stay. And then uh, in a few weeks when Hazley's healthy, we'll be talking about who else is going to get sent down because, you know, Hazley's going to come back on this roster and if Boehm's not going to get sent down, then somebody else will. So. Um, you know, we have bigger problems to worry about than the bats. You know, the bullpen is probably our, definitely our first priority right now. And yeah, um, and the Phillies just lost, by the way, eleven four final score. <sighs> and uh, we we post, guys. We're the fastest to post on Instagram, by the way. So check out our Instagram page. <sighs> yeah, man, we give uh, uh, analysis in, in the bio too, not just the score. Um, definitely the captions as well. We give all of our analysis, watch every single game. So be sure to check us out at the Philly Experience Podcast on Instagram. But guys. Yes. Uh, that's a sweep now, right? We just got swept out of our home ballpark by the I'm Baltimore Orioles, a team that you know hasn't really been great the last few years. Um, Andrew, or excuse me, Manny Machado gets traded uh, from Baltimore uh, at the deadline two years ago to the Dodgers, and since then it's been a whole rebuild process. But they come into Citizens Bank Park this week and they sweep us out. Uh, we have the Mets now, and we have to face Jacob Degrom. You know, it doesn't get any easier after this. Tomorrow night, Jacob Degrom against Spencer Howard. Um, I believe it's we know it's hard five start at Citizens Bank Park. So another another home series. The Mets have been struggling. Yohannes Cespedes opts out for the season. One of their center fielders, uh, one of their outfielders, probably their best outfielder, uh, Jeff McNeil, caught off the field yesterday um, in a game. So he'll he's going to miss some time. So um, you know Marcus Stroman opted out for the season. Noah Syndergaard already on the DL for the Mets. So this is probably our opportunity to pounce. You know we have. Uh, at least to get back on the winning side of things. You know, we have Nola and Wheel both pitching in this series, our two best pitchers by far. Mm-hmm. Um, tomorrow, Spencer Howard, he's going to get a second start of the season. We'll see how that goes. Yeah. He had a home run issue in, in you know, yeah. game one. But for the most part, I thought he, I thought he, his stuff as far as, you know, his mechanics and velocity and things like that were pretty solid. Yeah, yeah, he did well. Let me refresh everyone's memory from his first game was uh, back on Sunday, uh, the second game of the doubleheader. He uh, pitched four innings. Um, set he allowed seven hits, four runs. Um, he struck out four and he walked one. Uh, he did well, as Max mentioned. The first two innings went by pretty easy for him. Uh, until the top of the third, he left one, um, fastball right there for Freddie Freeman in the take yard. That was a two run homer. Oh, um, no, two nothing Braves, you know, it has to be done. Uh, someone has to give that kid their first, uh, his first home run. And uh, then the top of the fifth, uh, he gives up another first pitch home run to Ronald Acuna Jr., who's just had an amazing series against us. Um, It's stupid. He he found the fence pretty often. And then Freeman comes up 
and he hits a triple and Howard's night was done. But the Braves night was was pretty much just getting started. Yeah. They won. They crushed us eight nothing. Uh, they this beat us both games bullshit. in that double header. And that that just that basically sums it up how we feel about this Phillies bullpen and how they've they've been letting us down these past couple games especially. Um, and you see errors um, from not just the pitcher, but uh, we saw an error from Gene Segura, which basically cost us the the game there at the end. That pop up that was a no call. Oh, I don't man. know if there was a uh, miscommunication with that, but that's just embarrassing. It's an outrage. Uh, it was. I was sick to my stomach watching that. Watching a major league baseball player just let that one hit the ground right, pop up right mm-hmm. on the mound. Yeah, I got I to gotta mention this, too. Tanner, this goes back to your Reese Hoskins point. You know, if in my opinion, if Reese Hoskins is right mentally, he calls off Segura, you know? Right. He's yelling. He's yelling, I got it, I got it, I got it, the whole way. Yeah. Right? He, he he yells, not even yells, he just kind of says it. You know, you hear Segura yell big time when yeah. he goes for it. But Reese is kind of just, you know, I got it. And then kind of like he's, you know, strutting over and yeah. looks up for it. And then oh, all of a sudden man. you hear Segura. He's like, oh, okay, you want to get – like, you know – Put some bass on your have, voice, like, man. that mindset, you know, like we talk about, you know, you got to have that mentality of you, if you really want to win, you see Harper play his heart out every game. What's my now, favorite word? Or lose, but what's dog. my what's my favorite word? That dog on dog. Where's the dog at? Yeah, Reese right. hasn't shown it. Um, and, that, and that's just a mental mistake. You know, it should have been Reese's ball. And, and he knows it too. You know, he said post-game he heard – you know, Segura called it, so he backed off. But at the end of the day, it's that's Hoskins' fault, and you never want somebody running over the mound. You know, it never ends well. Everybody knows the mound's there. The players in the infield say, "Oh yeah, we I knew the mound was there." You know, but but again, when you're in the moment, it's hard to anticipate right. that increase in elevation. You know, you're going over that mound, and then all of a sudden lose your footing. It happens because yeah, that guy doesn't know what the hell he's doing. Not that I can really blame it on this, because every team's facing this. But um, I guess you could put. Uh, chemistry problem into this because these guys aren't seeing each other as often as they would in regular season. Uh, they just go right home after the games. That there's no talking, there's no really strategizing before yeah. and after games. So I would say maybe this is this could be a problem with how the Phillies are playing error wise and why why those errors are happening. But every team is facing this same problem. Right. Yeah, I agree. And and when you when we sit here and we try to think of how to solve the issue, um, especially in the bullpen, we have no answers for you. You know, and I think every right. that's the biggest, the most frustrating thing, the biggest issue that we have right now is there literally isn't a single guy we can point to and say, hey, get me an out. You know, as far as Joe Girardi and you know what his options are in the bullpen, and that's probably the most frustrating thing. There, we can rattle off the names. Uh, Adam Morgan, Allison Davis, Hector Neris. Okay. The, the name goes on. The names go on and on. And there's never, you know, we never stop at the name and say, oh, okay, like he's reliable, right? So this season, the longer it goes on, and if it continues like this, guys, um, I'm starting to think in Joe Girardi's mind that this just might be a trial and error type of season. You know, see what he has for the future, <laughs> and uh, you know, understand that uh, what guys can play in this league and what guys can't. I think that's a big thing. I know that's not what we want to hear. You know, we don't want to wash this season out. But the fact of the matter is the Braves are going to the playoffs. They're they're a better team than we are, hands down, on paper and on the field. The Nationals has scuffled a bit early on this season. But on paper, again, they still have the pitching and uh, the talent, you know, getting Juan Soto back from COVID. So, at the end of the day, uh, things aren't looking positive for us right now at all. You know, it's not like we're close in the standings and all. We're still, you know, fourth. So, it's frustrating as a whole. 
And the thing is, the Phillies, we just need 29 wins to get in the playoffs, and we can't even do that. The sick yeah, part- what is the record now, Tanner? Five and nine? Uh, I, I think so, yeah. Five, five and nine. nine. Yeah. And the sick part is, like, I heard a commentator say one time, usually, you know, during a baseball season, you a regular baseball season, you have 162 games. You don't have that many games. So this is no longer a marathon. This is a straight-up sprint. And right now, you're way behind everybody else, and that's not good. Right now, you're eating everybody's dust. That's not a good position to be in. Yeah, right. listen, Reese Hoskins should not be getting games off. Um, if he if he was right, and you know, in the head and you know, on the field, right? And we haven't seen that production. But guys, uh, like tonight, uh, for example, Neil Walker gets to start and get no production. You get no production on Neil Walker mm-hmm. in the eighth hole. Um, Boom, you know, he he gets that double early on, and he'll find his footing for himself. And JT and Bryce are doing their thing. Um, but overall, I think w- what we need to do is hopefully, well, Hoskins to come around, but find somebody in that leadoff spot. Um, you know, McCutcheon's had opportunities. He's been in the, every time he plays, he's in the leadoff spot. But we have to see if he can finally, you know, get that groove going, get that first AB up at the plate and get on base. You know, that's kind of what he's up there for. And uh, the frustrating thing is, Tanner mentioned that the knee injury, he's not really, uh, has, he hasn't had that pepinous step. You know, he doesn't nah. have that quickness yet. Nah, there and, was a uh, play. There was a player earlier in the game where if he had a healthy knee, he would have beat out that throw to first base. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. And, and especially his playing left field, he, even when we see him chasing after balls, he doesn't look like he's running full speed uh, towards the ball. Maybe just, you know, not wanting to over, you know, exert, you know, the, the, the knee uh, coming back from the surgery. I can, so I, there's so many question marks um, with this team. I can tell you from personal experience, um, leg injuries are no joke. Um, I fractured my ankle playing football. And um, you don't feel right that first year. You 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 straight up don't. There's no getting around it. Mental wise, physically, physical wise, you may be good. Mental wise, it takes a while for you to get your legs back up under you. So yeah, trust it. You know, you gotta trust. Yeah. It. If you don't trust it, you don't. Uh, yeah. You don't have that. Uh, you don't have that. You know, comfort level as far as being able to run full speed and not have your knee buckle or give out. So. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I want to. We, we mentioned the bullpen, um, and we mentioned the hitting, and I want to touch on the starting rotation, guys. You know, we we did mention Spencer Howard a little bit, but we haven't mentioned Velasquez, and there's a big question mark for tomorrow. Uh, will Spencer Howard start? Will Vince Velasquez start? Now, officially, it looks like it's going to be Spencer Howard after Velasquez pitched in relief tonight. Um, what do you think about this rotation so far? It's the seventh best overall in baseball. Nolan Wheeler have done their their part. Eflin not too bad. He did give up four runs, but struck out ten last night. And, Arietta had two good starts before a tough inning. I'm not even going to call it a bad start tonight. I'll just call it a bad inning yeah. um, tonight before he got lifted. So what do you guys think overall, uh, your impressions of the starting rotation so far? I'm neutral on this rotation so far. Um, I'm neutral because it's like you said, you we have half of our guys doing their job. The other half is not really doing their job, and then you just got one guy in the middle. So honestly, I'm neutral about them. Yes, you brought up the fact that they are the seventh best rotation. I personally don't see how they're the seventh best rotation, though. That's one of the things how stats can kind of, you know, um, kind of skew your view of certain things. So I, I, I don't see it. I'm neutral on this, on this, uh, on this rotation. Yep. Uh, well, I'll tell you one thing. I definitely do feel more confident in Aaron Nola uh, so far this season than I did all of last season. Um, I think he. You know, he's he's obviously an ace, but I think last year he just – I don't know what was going on. He, he couldn't really find himself. 
as much. But this year, as you mentioned, Nola and Wheeler have been doing their part. Uh, Arietta, I was never quite sure um, with him on the mound. Uh, it's very so-so for me. Uh, one day you go out there and uh, pitch gems, and the next day he's uh, throwing garbage. For me, he's not very consistent. Uh, once again, uh, we still need to fill in our uh, starting our starting pitchers. We're still missing uh, one guy. It feels like that we just need to throw in there that'll that'll change this whole rotation. And maybe Spencer Howard is that guy. I liked I liked uh, his stuff from when he was pitching on Sunday. Mm-hmm. I liked I liked what I saw from him. He you know, he that's two pitches uh, that he gave up that caused a two-run home run both times. That those are just two pitches. Yeah. If he he changes them, it's a it's a different ball game. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Uh, hopefully, uh, you know we get a good start from him tomorrow. A Mets lineup that's okay, nothing special. So. Definitely worse than the Braves lineup. Maybe he'll, he'll have more success tomorrow. So, um, you know, we try to mention everything tonight uh, for you guys again. If you have any uh, suggestions, you want to hear anything else right. about Phillies talk, uh, message us on Instagram, guys, at the Philly Experience Podcast. We try mm-hmm. to get back to everybody, answer any questions you may have. And uh, I think for the, with the Phillies, uh, to close out the topic, I think it's just a wait-and-see process. Every game can be different. You never know what you're going to get. So far, the bullpen has been consistently bad. But at the same time, 60 game sprint um uh extra teams added in the playoffs this year so a losing record most likely will make the playoffs and that's all you can ask for at this point you know we got to tread water um we don't have any momentum going right now so uh question marks in the starting lineup like we mentioned hoskins and kingry and mccutcheon the question marks in the bullpen who's going to step up i mean these guys are major leaguers somebody's got to step up eventually in that bullpen and you know who who wants it more basically but they talk about the dog in them Everybody mm-hmm. in that bullpen has an opportunity right now to step up and show Girardi that, hey, I want the ninth inning, or, hey, put me in tough situations. I'll get you out of it. So far, we haven't seen that. And uh, it's been it's been frustrating. Again, we mentioned it. And our starting rotation, like we said, we'll see with Spencer Howard tomorrow. Velasquez looks like he's a bullpen arm. He gives up two runs tonight, by the way. Let me mention that. We forgot to mention that. Velasquez is give up two more runs tonight, even in a bullpen role. His fastball topped out at about 92 miles an hour. We've seen it up around 96, so – some velocity dip there. I don't know if it's because he's in the bullpen uh, or his mechanics are different. I mean, who knows with this with this team right now. But um, we'll see. We'll see what his role is going forward. And if we if we could go to two other teams in the MLB, the Astros and the A's, we got a mic problem going on. Though. Yeah. All right. Here we go. Uh, there we go. It's <laughs> something that uh, I've really been thinking about these past couple of days and how I just I, I really didn't like seeing this was a few days ago, the A's and the Astros. The game got pretty heated uh, after Ramon Laureano was of the A's. He was hit for the second time um, by a pitch. Um, you know, he, he was pointing at the pitcher, uh, but things started to settle down until he got near the Astros bench. The Astros hitting coach, Alex Cintrone, was actually egging him on from the bench. And apparently you he said a few things that Ramon Laureano didn't like. Uh, he told him to come at him. This is this is a hitting coach. Uh, told him to come at him. And then when, when Laureano comes at him, an automatic force field of Astros players protect um, Alex Cintrone, who's still talking trash. But this causes both benches to uh, to get involved, 
and now there's guys tackling each other. There's guys spitting their, in their in each other's face. They're all talking, and um, all as I mentioned, they're tackling each other. It's stupid. Uh, they're getting all close. Obviously, no no six feet distance uh, between these guys. Yeah, that went out the window. Most of them weren't wearing masks, um, and this is this is not what you want to see, especially during the, a coronavirus. I'm not going to tolerate your crap today. We're already. Do you think it was just a product of the situation, or do you think it's because the Astros and you know we all know about the recent scandal? Is is that did that play a factor in it? In your opinion, Mm. I I don't. I don't think uh, that played a factor in this one. Uh, Laureano was hit twice, Uh, so I I think that's really what caused it. And he was mad about that, but it didn't look like he was fighting. It looked like he was telling the pitcher to uh, the movement on the ball wasn't. It hit him on the back, so obviously. It was it was real uh, inside, but um, as I mentioned, they're tackling each other, rolling all over, no masks, and then the MLB made it clear that they, this this cannot do because there's already teams like the Marlins, 18 players with yeah. the coronavirus. It's ridiculous. Uh, they handed Laureano a six-game suspension, and then they gave the hitting coach Alex Centrone a 20-game suspension, which is the longest bunch of low ever handed out to to a coach. This equals a 54-game suspension in a regular season. Sheesh. Yeah, that is pretty crazy. I mean, you got to remember, this guy's a hitting coach. I think that's the, mo- the most eye-opening thing here, like Tanner mentioned. Uh, when a hitting coach gets involved in a scuffle and egging things on, I mean, come on, man. Like, how old are you? <laughs> like, what is he? He wishes he was still playing back in the day. Like I guess. No, this is just. No I, for personally, that. for me, I think both teams should be suspended mm. and they should all be tested uh, because other problems will arise from this. If mm. one of those guys got another guy sick, now they're all they're all in the same pile. They're getting each other yeah. sick, and then they go ahead and do and play. Uh, in a different city, they get that team sick, and the MLB is just really striking out with this. And I heard talks about a possible MLB bubble, and I don't understand why it was talked about before the season even started. So why, why didn't they did do they, it? Why didn't they just why why they give up on that idea? I know players need to see their families, but the NBA players are risking. Uh, you know, they're not seeing their their siblings' weddings. Um, I know some guys left the bubble. You leave the bubble, you have to wait a week. That's just the rules, and that's yep. that's how it should be. But the MLB is just a mess right now. They are. And this Agreed. is uh, a shame because, you know, that was one of the things that I that I said um, in the beginning when the MLB was um, getting themselves together and they were coming back was that, you know, they were one of the teams that they were one of the leagues that I said, you know, they should create some sort of a bubble. And it was talked about, like Tanner said, I believe they were talking about doing it in Vegas, if I'm not mistaken. So, um, yeah, teams traveling and then you had the Marlins who had 14 cases and played the Phillies. So, like, this is one of those frustrating situations to where I was frustrated with the MLB. Like, why didn't you implement this? Like, you're one of the leagues that you could have gotten away with this doing. So, I don't understand it. Like, where is the safety for the players? Yeah, I do agree with that. I think it's tough. I think it worked out well for the NBA and uh, the NHL as far as, you know, the, the games because it was kind of towards the end of their season. They kind of just flow right into the playoffs, but this has been this is different for baseball. Um, I don't know how it would work with a field situation, like how many fields are there, any things like that. So hmm. um, it's just it's a lot to think about. 
Um, and, you know, as far as this season might not even work out, we're trying to think ahead. I mean, we have to punch a punch a punch the brakes right here because not try to think too far ahead and, and just try to get through day by day with this team. I mean, we haven't mentioned the Cardinals. They're dealing with their own pandemic with their team. Um, they haven't played, I think, uh, man, might be since the end of July. Mm-hmm. So it's been frustrating if you're a Cardinal fan. But, again, Tanner, I agree. It's been hard for the MLB. Um, you know, Phillies had their own problem, like you mentioned, T. And it'll just be interesting to see how it goes from here. I mean, I know these guys are getting tested every day. But at the same time, um, you know, the way the Phillies are playing, I got to tell you, I got to tell you, if it keeps going like this, maybe it's better off we just end the season now. Yeah. It's looking yeah. painful, Doc. All right, guys, let's roll. Let's roll into our topic. I will talk Sixers with you. You know, we got the Celtics around one. That's another rough um, team. Oh, it's gosh. gonna be. It's gonna be a hard-fought series, like it always is. Sixers Celtics go. The rivalry goes on years and years. No Ben Simmons. Uh, obviously, had knee surgery on that uh, dislocation of his left knee. In my opinion, that sucks. Yeah, I do. I do agree. See, I do agree. It does suck because we don't have one of our All Stars, and we're going up against a pretty powerful team. Jalen Brown, Kemba Walker, Jason Tatum, the list goes on and on of the good, talented players they have. I think when you look at this on paper, the one advantage we have, if he's healthy and isn't a baby, Joel Embiid inside, mm-hmm. looking to dominate any in this canter in the, in the paint. And uh, if we want to win this series, uh, you know, a seven-game series against the Celtics, we need Embiid to dominate. Because if he doesn't, um, you know, we can be uh, looking at a first-round exit. Yeah, this is just an embarrassing team right now, and especially after that game against the Raptors uh, last night. I'm really, to me, it, they were kind of just having fun with the game towards the end. Uh, it was typical uh, Sixers ending garbage. To yeah. me, uh, players were still laughing around. I understand mm-hmm. you're in the bubble. You're with these guys now every day. Yeah, um, You want to have some fun, but it, win the game at least. I know you're in the playoffs, but the fans don't want to see that. Uh, and this yeah. shows us with Ben Simmons out how the Sixers play with. I know we haven't really gotten to see how they play with just Joel Embiid on the. Yeah. But right now, to me, obvious it's obvious that uh, we would rather have Ben Simmons on this team than Joel Embiid, given the option to pick. Yeah, uh, I, I mentioned, yeah. The, I mentioned the opening. Joel Embiid, can he stay healthy? I mean, listen, this guy exits the game again yesterday, a left sore left hand. I mean, at some point, you know. There's grown men going from a nine to five job, waking up each morning with a sore hand. You know, at some point, <laughs> you just gotta get out there and play, man. This is the, this is a playoff type basketball that's gonna be picked up, and he's got an opportunity to dominate. Uh, he's not going to give up against Rudy Gobert. You know, he's yeah. not going up against uh, you know big time stuff. Marcus Saul. Are you uh, piece of Swiss who, cheese? Guys who have given him problems <laughs> in the past. I mean, this is an, a matchup against the Celtics mm. where he needs to show why he's a top five player in the league. And if he keeps having a sore knee, a sore foot, a sore hand, you know, it's just proven to us that maybe it's time to just rock with Ben Simmons. I mean, I know he can't shoot the basketball yet. I mean, he's, he has at least attempted it, too. you got to give him credit for that. He's, oh, wow. He attempted it. Holy tried. crap. Um, he's made one or two. He's but made two. This is going to be a big series for him because here's the thing. My opinion, personally, I don't think a coaching change is going to be all that for this team. I mean, I know people are going to sit here and say, listen, a good coach would make it work with Simmons and Embiid. Well, but it's like, me, well, go ahead, yeah, jump well, in. Let Tanner. me tell you something, Max, because at the end of this season, the, the Sixers are going to get eliminated from the playoffs, and they're going to look for a scapegoat. And that scapegoat is Brett Brown. It can't mm-hmm. be It can't be Elton Brand yet, because uh, we didn't get him enough time. Right. right. But 
it's definitely going to be Brett Brown. He's going to be the scapegoat and we can't just mess around with getting a new coach. We got to, it's got to be a, a good guy. It's got to be a guy who's experienced, uh, a guy who's good with players. I know this is hard to find, but there's guys out there who knows what they're doing fit in with this team. And to, to go back to Joel Embiid and if he'll be a baby during these playoffs and if he'll give us the same problems, I don't think he'll give us the same problems as in his nutrition as last season, it was just awful. Uh, yeah. He had, like, oh, stomach aches in some games. Uh, but this time, he's... the he's, game in the playoffs. Oh, yeah. The Raptors because of it. We know it's hard. He's at, he's at the hotel. They're giving everyone the same amount of food. Uh, yeah. I think that's benefiting him. <laughs> but Joel Embiid, he's, he's got more than just his nutrition to work on. Yeah. But he <laughs> represents Philly. I, I like his... His swag. I like his attitude, yeah. his yeah. swag about him. But he's just got to produce. He produces when he wants. Yeah, when he wants to, and that's you know what. Not to interrupt you, Tanner, but that's the part no, that that pisses me off the most about Joel Embiid. It's the simple fact that dude, you are seven foot two, two hundred and sixty five, two seventy. Like you can dominate every damn game when you feel like it. As a matter of fact, you can wake up, walk on the court, and breathe, and you're dominating. Okay, so the simple fact that you're not even trying. On certain game in certain games, it irritates the living hell out of me. Like, dude, come on, man! And now here's your opportunity to step up and really show your value to the franchise. Are you the franchise player that everybody is saying that you are? Yeah, I got to go back to Tanner's point about the coach. I think we need to get a coach in here who knows how to coach big men. Yes, you know? yeah. uh, and I think it goes beyond that because we need another coach, maybe an assistant. That knows how to get Simmons to shoot the three and be comfortable, yes. and confident. With so it's gonna be it's gonna be a headache, uh, at least for the front office. It's been a headache for fans too. Let's be honest. We, I mean, we've all had our headaches with this team, but it's gonna be a headache in the off season because listen, Tanner we, and NT, we all know the Sixers are getting eliminated at some point, whether it be in the first round or the second round. Yeah. If, if they make it past that, I mean, wow. I mean, I'll be surprised. Beyond belief. <laughs> hey, Whoa. I'll be honest with you. I've been already past the Sixers elimination since the playoffs should have been months ago. Hey, I called. Already... <laughs> Listen, you get no argument from me. Uh, I called but, it but in again, the group text. <laughs> the Sixers will be eliminated from these playoffs, yeah, uh, whether we like it or not, and it could be in the first round. And after that, we've all had our opinions about this team. I think Tanner make a good point there when you say you've been over this since you know when the playoffs should have been you know should have started, and that's because we've been sitting here talking about the offseason so much this upcoming offseason and not even thinking about us making a run in the playoffs because we know as fans watching this team living and dying with them that they're not going to go anywhere no so we've literally looked past this off or excuse me we've literally looked past this playoff round this playoff series and this playoff possible right. run and we, we dive into the offseason talk about Brett Brown are they going to fire out and brand are they going to trade and beat are they going to trade Simmons you know what do we do to get this team better like that's that's pretty shocking, and, and it just shows how frustrated and, uh, you know, also what the Sixers have shown us. You know, this is a team that have shown us, okay, like you mentioned, Tanner, joking around on the bench, not engaged, things of that nature. And uh, it just goes to show you that this team is not a title contender at all. Right. Now, given, say the Sixers are eliminated in the playoffs against the Celtics, I, to me, I think everyone is on the trade block. Uh, every one of these players, maybe not. All right, maybe not Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. I think they can. I think they'll stay. But who do you guys think is top of that trade block? And and a starter on this team, who do you think is top? 
Yeah. <sighs> Listen, I agree, uh, Tanner. I think you have to keep Simmons and Embiid uh, together at least longer and have a second coach there to see if they can coexist. You know, see if Simmons and Embiid can play together. Uh, but if you, me, if you ask, if you if you ask me who's who's on the trade block number one. I don't think I'm going to put Tobias. I'd probably go Al Horford, and I yeah, just think yeah. It's, yeah. I think I think it's because it's um, some people and and teams out there uh, like veteran guys. They like experience. Uh, yeah. They they need it, but some teams need to. I mean, everybody can use a wing player like Tobias, but I think those are easier to find than than a veteran locker room. I mean, listen, we haven't really seen Horford as a center too. I mean, this guy can still be talented. Who knows, right? Because we we've seen him at a position he's never played before power forward he's shooting so many more threes than usual i mean hell he can be traded to another team and all of a sudden he's he's a starting center next year and yeah. he's back to averaging what 15 to 18 yeah. points a game and i'm right. sure he'll be playing over joel Embiid. <laughs> yeah he would probably give us fits too but again here's here's the thing the key thing about this is somebody needs to take that contract four years 107 million that and that's the key when it comes to al horford or tobias harris for that matter i think both of those both of those plays you can make a, um an honest argument with i would lean more towards al horford but like you said, who is really going to take on that contract? And that's the thing. You really put yourself in a bind when you sign those players to those contracts and not and they're not really living up to those contracts. Hence One the reason why hey, I'm sorry. Hence the reason why I say, honestly, I, kn- I know you guys are talking about trade blocks and things like that. But I think the first order of operation that needs to get done when the 76ers get eliminated, Brett Brown got to go. Straight up. Like, you've had plenty of opportunities, and I understand they tried to give him, you know, an opportunity considering the fact that, you know, he coached through the process years and things of that nature. That's that's fine. Um, I particularly don't care. If you if you can't coach, then you got to go. But now you have players, and he's proven that even with players, you still can't get over the hump. You still can't coach. The, yeah. You can't coach these players the correct way. They can't play together. And I think – I think there is a way for these players to play together. We just don't have the right coach. So I'm sorry. As much as a good guy as he is, Brett Brown, listen. Get the f*** out! I'm sorry. All right, T, and you go back to what our team looked last year, and that was that was a finals team to me, the team that we had last yes, year. Yes, it was. Just for some reason, we couldn't execute. You have a, you have a player like Jimmy Butler. You had it's your closer. Mm-hmm. Game changer player. All right, you have Tobias Harris last year. What? Why Why not go to the finals? What happened? Why Why didn't we make it to the finals? That was Joel your moment. The reason. Joel Embiid's the reason we didn't make it to the finals. And here's why. He misses games. You know, how many? He missed one. I know I know for a fact he missed one. I don't think he missed two, but but I'm, I'm going to say that he, that he definitely missed one game. And then when he does play, you know, you don't know what you're getting from him in that series. You know, he could go out there and dominate, but here's the problem. Marcus Gasol was just, you know, handled him, you know, and, and – and we, we sat here and talked about it. We listened to radio stations around Philadelphia, and we, we listened to other people's opinions, and everybody was kind of on the same boat. You know, Marcus Gasol handled them pretty easily um, and gave them fits, just like Al Horford did two years ago with Boston. That's the problem. And Simmons, yeah, I know. He doesn't shoot the basketball, but does everything else really well. Simmons, yeah. you can't look to and say he's the reason we lost this series. You can't point to Brett Brown and say he's the reason we lost this series because, you know, he got us to game seven in Toronto and losing all the quadruple doink to Kawhi. Butler was great for us in the series. Redick was knocking down threes. Um, if you can, if you have to point at somebody, it's Joel Embiid, just because he's supposed to be our, our go-to best player, and he he didn't show up for half of that series, at least two games. He he either played and wasn't a factor, or he didn't play at all. To me, 
you go back to that team, you have the exact same team but a different coach, I think we get farther. farther. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I agree See, with that statement. And Embiid's still going to miss that time, though. He's okay. a question mark, you know? And I do like what you're saying. I think a new coach would give us a better opportunity, and, yeah. and we it's not really going out on a limb because we've seen Rip Brown, what he can do with this team. He's a, been here seven years. So. I'm going to say this before we um, before we move on about in terms of coaching. Here's what a good coach will do. Um, and I've said this before. I don't like the fact that Joel Embiid takes as many threes as he do. I don't like the simple fact that he'll sometimes walk the ball up the court and shoot a three without moving the ball around. That's not his position. That's not your job. Your job is to score mid-range and in the paint. That's your position. When you give... When you start shooting those J's from 15, 20 feet out, plus out, you're playing to the other team. That's not your job. You are big enough and strong enough to where you can dominate inside the paint. A good coach will tell you, listen, MB, I don't want you shooting threes from the perimeter. I don't. I need you to be hitting those shots in the paint. I need you to yep. be hitting fadeaways. I need you to be hitting those hooks. I need you to be showing me those post moves that I seen you do in college. Yeah, T, uh, T. Before, yeah, like you said, before we get off this topic, I know we we want to touch on Antonio Brown from last week, and and, uh, and anything else you guys want to add uh, before we get out of here, uh, please do. But I want to I want to make I don't know if you want to call it a bold prediction, but I do think that if you know we get bumped by the Celtics or even round two, uh, to whoever that may be, I'm gonna say a sneaky team and a sneaky trade option here is Al Horford to the San Antonio Spurs. I think Al Horford, a veteran guy, Greg Popovich would love him in San Antonio. You would add him without LaMarcus Aldridge as a center power forward combination. They like to play LaMarcus Aldridge in the post a little bit. I understand that. So, you know, I'm, I'm just kind of guessing here. But you got to remember, Brett Brown and, uh, you know, Greg Popovich had that history together. So I know Brett Brown may be fired, but who knows? I think Al Horford, the sad thing about all this is I know Al Horford's still a talented player. I know he's still good. Yeah. But he just can't find a way to fit on this team. And like you said, T, that's coaching. Uh, but Tanner, I want to I want to throw it to you now. You got some uh, other side topics you want to get to. Um, right now, it's just focusing on this last game for the Sixers. Like they, they got the Rockets and them going into the playoffs. Yeah. I don't have much anymore about other teams besides uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo suspended this last yeah. game oh, um, on the Bucks. <laughs> man, a headbutt. Jeez. A headbutt. For what, man? Not, not something you really see from an MVP caliber player. No. It's stupid. Uh, he lost his cool there. And, you know, he, he apologized. He admitted he lost his cool. But uh, it, it'll be interesting to see the Bucks play without Giannis this last game and see if the Bucks are really just a one-man team. Yeah. yeah, they suspended him for that final regular yep. season game. And people did say in the comments I was reading that, you know, the league is soft. I disagree with that completely, man. You can't just call no. somebody like that. I was about to say, that's yeah. a headbutt. I would have suspended him if it was me. I yeah. would have suspended him at least to one playoff game for that. Yeah. I mean, he literally came up and forcefully headbutted the, the guy, Mo, Mo Wagner from the from the Washington Wizards. Right. right. That, that was a really egregious act, and it was a com- completely unnecessary act. Yeah, he deserves to be suspended the suspension for suspension is really unnecessary, too, because he was going to sit anyway in the right. final regular season game. All right. Uh, I mean, it, it, was, yeah. it was pretty ridiculous. For what? I mean, you big dummy. 
you, you call the NBA soft, but you can't even headbutt in the UFC. I don't know what these people want. <laughs> absolutely ridiculous for one guy to be headbutting another guy. That is blasphemous. All right, T, we've got any other topics you want to add here? I know I know the Eagles, uh, you wanna, if you want to touch on any birds top, topics. So, okay, so training camp training camp has um, started and things of that nature. So, you know, that that's all good and well. But it's it's one thing that irritated my soul and it's something that I addressed um, s- some shows ago, and it was the simple fact that I don't like that this sh- that this team continues to retread. And what I mean by that is they continue to bring back old talent that, in the reality, they really need to let go. For example, they brought back Jason Peters to play guard. Um, we still have yet to see how that's going to work out. So I'm trying to stay Huge positive. Yeah, Huge I'm trying to stay positive on that front. However, they recently made a move that really grinded my gears, and that was re-signing Vinny Curry. I'm sorry. What is the point of bringing Vinny Curry back? Listen, he did hardly anything um, this past season. As a matter of fact, I, if you guys remember my epic rant after the Vikings game, Vinny Curry was one of the guys who I went off about. Like... He did absolutely nothing until basically the end of the year. But by then, you know, we were the team wasn't that good last year at no point in the season. It was not built correctly. And Ro- and Howie Roseman supposedly said that, you know, he was going to infuse new talent, more youth, things of that nature. Now, did I agree that, you know, underratingly that defensive end pos- that the defensive end position was a weak point? Yes. I agree. They should have addressed that position. I don't agree with how they addressed that position, considering the fact that Everson Griffin just got signed. Jadavian Clowney is still out there. I'm sorry. I I have no confidence in these defensive ends. I don't have. Brandon Graham still has yet to eclipse a double-digit sack mark. Derek Barnett has completely underperformed as a first-round draft pick. And then behind him, you have Josh Sweat, who is still unproven. You have a Sharif Miller, who once again is unproven, and now you just signed Vinnie Curry back, who you really can't hang your hat on either. Yeah. Well, T, you talk about moves that Howie Roseman was talking about making, and one move that I was always try- interested in was the possibility of Yannick Ngagwe. Yes. Uh, I was really following him, and I was expecting him to be on a different team by now. I'm not sure what's going on with that. But that's pretty much out the window for the Philly, for the Eagles. But it's just, I feel like there's been many, there's been a lot of players that just passed our radar this offseason, especially that we could have pulled the trigger on. And it's just really upsetting. But it's a familiar grounds for us Eagles fans. So now you allow yeah. Everson Griffin to be signed with the Dallas Cowboys. Wow. That's a guy you could have worked into your yeah. rotation. Uh, he was an absolute monster uh, the past few years with the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, the Seahawks actually wanted him, and they didn't get him, and they're still looking for pass rushing help. Debian Clowney is obviously the number one option for them, but again, will that price drop? Who knows, man? He's asking a lot of, he's asking for a lot of money. Um, and I will say one point about the Eagles, T. I hope it doesn't turn into a Phillies bullpen situation. I hope what I mean so by that is, What I mean by that is that defense, man. There's so many no names in the linebacker core. I hate uh, you. The, the defensive end position, like you just you just rattled them all off. And he carries Sharif Miller, a bunch of Josh Sweat. I mean, guys. I mean, who knows, right? Like they can get out there and, and maybe show flashes or 
you know, be productive. But at the end of the day, they haven't have they don't have any track record. I mean, Brandon Graham's up there in age. Um, there's there's a negative about each name that you listed right there, which is a problem. And uh, I think depending on what happens with this season, man, that's going to be a weakness of our team. The linebacker core, I know how he doesn't value it as much as other positions, which is stupid. You have to have at least one or two solid linebackers. I mean, Jordan Hicks yeah. was here, solid. Michael Kendricks was here, solid. And now, you know, who are we left with? T.J. Edwards, well, maybe. Well, Shoot. you talk about our, our linebacking core, and you have Jatavius Brown, who just abruptly retired a few yeah. days ago. Yeah, that was a shot of nowhere. Us, you leave us with T.J. Edwards at linebacker and nothing else. He's 26 years old, but he retires. Not sure what went on there. I'm yeah. sure we'll find out later on. But uh, it's just a huge question mark out there. It is. It is. And, and and you know what? Linebacker was one of those positions where we said it was going to be a clear weakness. Um, we went into it saying it was going to be a clear weakness. And look, and even still, the secondary still, still kind of it concerns me because once again, you're moving Jalen Mills to safety. We don't know who our cornerback number two is going to be. They're trying to make it. You know, Avante Maddox, I don't have the utmost confidence in him. So there's still holes on his defense where I'm still concerned. I'm still scared. That's all I'm saying. Like, uh, oh, gosh. <laughs> you know what? I'm Honestly, uh, I'm going to take a wait-and-see approach with, with the with the Birds defense. You know, one guy you hang your hat on, Darius Slay, and then everybody else kind of, oh, Fletcher Cox. I'll give, I'll give a shout-out, Fletch. Um but again, we'll see, man. There's there's a lot of yeah. question marks on that Eagles defense, and uh, even on the offense for that matter. Will Miles Sanders break out into that superstar RB one that we all think he can be? Will the offensive line hold up? Will Carson ever get back to that form from a few years back and during his sh- what should have been MVP season? Will Jalen Rager step up and be worth that 21st overall pick in which we took him at? I mean, will Austin Jeffrey stay healthy? See. Will Deshaun Jackson? I mean. The list goes on and on, guys. I mean, we, we talk about the Phillies have issues and, and question marks. The Eagles m- might have the most question marks out of any team in Philadelphia. Do we know it's hard? Oh, but you want to know one team that doesn't have any question marks right now? Philadelphia Flyers. <laughs> He's repping them all day. Doggone right. Uh, big W against Montreal the other night. Um, listen, at all the teams in Philadelphia right now, the Flyers, hands down, uh, are producing at the highest level. It's not even close. And one reason for that, I got to say, and – and, again, we can all chip in our points. But, again, guys, Chris will be on Instagram Live, again, at the Philly Experience Podcast, and he'll give his analysis. Guys, you don't want to miss it. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a diehard Philadelphia Flyers fan, and any Flyers fans that are watching this right now and follow us on the account, you'll get your money's worth. I yeah. promise you that, man. I'll, I promise you you'll get your follow worth, uh, and, and he is uh, he's the real deal when it comes to Philadelphia Flyers hockey. So oh, uh, check him out. So I'll throw my two cents here, guys. I think that uh, – I think that the Flyers' depth has been really key for them uh, and, and their success this past season. Um, I know that uh, we have our goal in Carter Hart. I know we have a solid, def- def- a solid defense and goal scorers. But when you look up and down the lines of the teams, you know, the, the, the four lines that are on our team that we have, and, you know, as the season goes on and on, and, and you know, we obviously get our break with, with the COVID, come back, we have, we have so many fresh players. Every team's fresh, obviously, but we have up and down the lineup talent. You know, fresh guys, uh, hungry guys. I mean, mm-hmm. we don't guys that that haven't really ever won a cup, and and we really look like we're in the situation now. We saw that uh, we're in a good situation to win the cup. We saw that in the last three games in the round robin tournament, beating all three yeah. teams um, and getting that one seed, and we really earned it. Yeah, this this Flyers team is very exciting to watch. It is. Uh, 
of course I watched this uh this whole game the last game in Carter Hart it's just fantastic goalie and I can't yes. help but uh maybe give myself some credit after I <laughs> the Phillies game I don't know maybe I had something to do with this, this fantastic play this season but, uh, yeah. of course that's all joking Carter Hart's got a bright future ahead of him and this kid's great. The kid's going to be a future star in this city, no doubt about it. We're going to embrace him like we've embraced Bryce, like we've embraced Carson Wentz. He's going to be one of the dudes. 110%. And, uh, by the way, shout-out, Carter Hart. Happy birthday today. 20, yes. Two years old. Oh, yeah! I don't Just, know what we're all doing around this age, you know, in college and whatnot. Uh, but I tell you what. Stay I'm, thirsty, I'm my friend. If I'm winning, you know, playoff hockey games. Uh, it'd be pretty crazy. So uh, it's just something to think about, man. He's uh, He's got a huge future ahead of him. And uh, hopefully uh, the Flyers can get pa- past this round. Because I'm not going to lie, the Canadians are a solid team. Um, they have one of the better goaltenders in the league, too, Carey Price. And uh, Carter Hart was able to match him punch for punch last night mm-hmm. as far as saves go and, and come out on the uh, on the winning side of things. Um, but with that, guys, we thank everybody for watching. Uh, we're going to shut it down. Again, Chris is going to be on. We're going to post it on our Instagram page again at the Philly Experience Podcast. Yep. He'll be on, give you a solid uh, recap and, and, you know, analysis, what he liked, what he didn't like, what he looks forward to uh, for game two of the series, which is tomorrow night mm-hmm. at three in the afternoon. So uh, we look forward to that one. I uh, appreciate yep. you guys tuning in, man. What is up, Philly Experience? This is Chris Thacker bringing you Flyers and Hockey Talk today. And I got to tell you, I am so excited because the Flyers sitting atop the Eastern Conference, first seed, leapfrogging from fourth to first in the round robin. Game one against Montreal has already passed us by. And I have not been this excited for Flyers playoff hockey in near a decade now first thing i want to get into just real quick carter hart how freaking good is carter hart i have gone my whole life watching flyers hockey without a without a good goalie let alone an elite goalie carter hart in the four games that he has played since hockey has returned, has been spectacular in every game he's been in, letting in just one goal in each of his starts. Well, two, in the preseason or the warm-up game, two goals against the Penguins, but that game doesn't matter. Uh, Carter Hart has been so huge for the Flyers, and I just can't wait to get into this with you. Uh, real quick, first things first, uh, let's go over the round robin. Uh, the Flyers going up against the three powerhouses in the East, the Boston Bruins, the Washington Capitals, and the Tampa Bay Lightning. Game one against Boston, 4-1 to one win. Oh my gosh. The Flyers have always played Boston pretty well. Uh, Boston, uh, President's Trophy winning team, statistically the best team in the league, at the top of the league, and they go in 4-1 to one victory. Now, granted, Boston did not start their starter, Tuka Rask. Uh, it could have been a different game if Tuka Rask was in net, but still... And that in in that game, that fourth line of uh, Nate Thompson, Michael Raffle, and Tyler Pitlick, what a game that they had! Raffle with a two point night, scoring the first goal for the, for the Flyers. Uh, Nate Thompson, what a shot Nate Thompson had for that second goal! Like I see Nate Thompson shoot like that, and I think he should be like 
a perennial 30-goal scorer in this league. It was such a beautiful shot right over the shoulder. Uh, Chris Wagner for the Bruins slips one by Carter Hart, banking the puck in off of Robert Haig. Just bad luck. There's nothing Carter Hart could have done there. But eight seconds after Chris Wagner scores, Phil Myers steps up, puts one top left, beautiful shot on Yaroslav Halak. Now, like I said, if Tuka Rask was in net, maybe that doesn't go in. I don't know. It was a really nice shot on Phil Myers' part. That made that made it 3-1 Philly. Uh, and then you go to the third period, Scott Lawton, two-on-one with Travis Konechny, and Yaroslav Halak's angle was way off. The top right of the net was wide open. Scott Lawton puts it in, 4-1 fi- Flyers. Uh, and like I said, if if it comes time, if the time comes where the Flyers have to play uh, the Bruins again, and Rask is in net, that shot that shot is probably not going in. Uh, the, Yaroslav Halak's angle was just off so much, and if you look at the if you look at the one camera angle where it's from Scott Lawton's point of view, that top right corner was wide open. Four one victory against Boston on the game two of the round robin against the Washington Capitals. Now. This was probably the Flyers' best game from a domination standpoint. They had control of this game from minute one to the final minute. And it was only a 3-1 victory, but hell, it's a victory. And what a game for that – for this this game, what a game for that second line of Kevin Hayes, Scott Lawton, Travis Konechny. First goal, uh, Hayes looks for Konechny in front. It's not quite on target. Konechny readjusts, no look pass to Scott Lawton, one nothing Flyers. What a th- what a pass by Travis Konechny. That is just such an that is an elite playmaking play to Scott Lawton and Flyers are really bringing out the best in Scott Lawton on that second line. Uh, the second goal, uh, Kevin Hayes in the in the near side corner just working off of three caps just buying time and space for the Flyers. Travis Sanheim breaks for the net. Hayes finds him. Sanheim puts in the net. That 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 is one of my favorite Kevin Hayes plays since he's been a Flyer. Just working along the boards, out muscling three Washington Capitals, keeping the puck. Bill Clement even said during the broadcast, I thought there were three different moments where Kevin Hayes was going to lose that puck. But he held on to it, created time and space, made a play to Travis Sanheim, 2 nothing Flyers. I don't even remember the Caps goal, if I'm being honest. But the third Flyers goal, another beautiful pass from Kevin Hayes to Scott Lawton. Lawton was breaking hard to the net. Lawton tips it in. Flyers win 3-1. to one. Again, Carter Hart came up big a number of times. Or Sorry, no, wait, I'm completely wrong. That was Brian Elliott. Brian Elliott was in that game. My bad. <laughs> Brian Elliott ha- had a great game. And now that I think about it, I do remember the Caps goal. It was actually a pretty weak goal, but he, Brian Elliott only went, let one in, which is perfectly fine. Game three of the round robin, Tampa Bay Lightning. Now, this game, I've said this before and I'll say this again. If there is one team in the East that the Flyers are going to have a really hard time beating. The only team I think they will have a really, really hard time beating in a seven-game series is the Tampa Bay Lightning. Yes, statistically, Boston is the better team, but 
I don't think anyone can deny that the offensive abilities of Tampa Bay outclasses Boston. And Tampa has been a team that the Flyers have struggled against. Yes, the Flyers did beat Tampa 4-1 in this round-robin game, but it's... It would be a really tough series if it com- if it comes to that. If it comes to playing the Tampa Bay Lightning, it- it's going to be so tough. But that's what you got to do to win a championship. And uh, Carhartt stepped up big in this game. Uh, in the first period, I will say this: the Flyers did dominate the first period, out shooting Tampa twenty to six. Nicholas Albe Cubell getting his first career two game goal, two goal game. Sorry. Nicholas Albe Cupel getting his first career two-goal game. Uh, first goal, a sweet deflection from a Shane Gostisbehere shot from the point. And then his second goal was a two-on-one with Sean Couturier putting in that sweet sauce right past Andre Vasilevsky. Uh, but from there on, the second and third period, uh, it was almost all Tampa. Ta- and Carter Hart stepped up huge, only letting one goal p- pass scored by Tyler Johnson. But it's like it's just one of those goals where it's like, ah, what the heck are you gonna do? You're on the the Flyers were on the penalty kill. They broke down defensively. Travis uh, tra- Tyler Johnson was all by himself in front, and he put it in. But uh, in the third period, Sean Couturier tips the puck around to Shane Gostisbehere. Gostisbehere throws it in front to Joel Farabee. Beautiful one timer. Farabee puts it in, makes it three one Flyers. And then, uh, to, and then after that, Tampa came hard trying to put – they threw everything at Carter Hart, and Carter Hart stopped it all, along with pretty good defense in front of him. And uh, to make it 4-1, Pitlick puts, puts in the empty netter, and the Flyers go from the fourth seed to the first seed in the Eastern Conference. And that means they are matching up with Montreal. Montre- game one already happened, yes. Uh, but I just want to real quickly touch on the fact that Montreal was able to beat the freaking Pittsburgh Penguins in the qualifiers. And look, Montreal is not a bad team. Is Montreal a playoff team? I don't think so. They, well, no, they weren't. If the regular season were to have continued, they would not have made the playoffs, but when I look at that Montreal lineup, they may not look good on paper, but there are guys on that team that can really hurt you. Nick Suzuki, young rookie centerman, really fast, really good playmaking abilities. Brendan Gallagher, he's always been an elite scoring player in this league. Not elite, really good. He, he, he's not elite. Really, he's just really good. Brendan Gallagher... Uh, Philip Deneau is an incredible defensive center iceman. Uh, Archuri Lekkinen, that's a name that a lot of people probably don't know. But if you give Archuri Lekkinen time and space, he can put the puck behind you. Thomas Tatar has had a resurgence in Montreal. Max Domi is a dangerous player. And then you look at their defense, their captain, Shea freaking Weber. I didn't even know this, but what they were talking about on the broadcast, Shea Weber, 17th all-time defensive goals he's the 17 he has the 17th most goals of any defenseman to ever play yeah and that just goes to show how dangerous Shea Weber's shot is Shea Weber has the most dangerous shot in the league of anybody 
there is literally a clip on YouTube, uh, just a compilation clip of Shea Weber injuring people with a slap shot. Dude can shoot 108 miles an hour. Flyers cannot allow Shea Weber to have time to wind up because it could hurt them on the scoreboard or it could hurt them. They can't give Shea Weber time. And if you look at Montreal's leading scorer right now, it's Shea Weber, a defenseman. And let me tell you, that doesn't happen really often unless you're really freaking good. Shea Weber is going to be a big problem. And aside from Shea Weber, probably the biggest problem, the biggest obstacle that the Flyers are going to have to overcome, Carey Price. Far and away, the best goalie in this league. I won't even hear arguments about it. There's a reason he's getting paid the money he's getting paid. Carey Price is... That that is the biggest hump that the Flyers are gonna have to try to get over, and I, I, he was the biggest reason that they were able to beat the Penguins. And he's he, he Carey Price always kicking and fighting. He will never give up, and it's just so awesome to see that Carter Hart's first playoff matchup is going to be against the guy that he grew up watching. Carey Price was Carter Hart's favorite player. That's who Carter Hart models his game after, Carey Price. And his first playoff series is going to be against him. This is going to, this that's the biggest thing about this series. It's going to be battle of the goalies. Game 1 was a 2 to 1 victory. That it was that is just a precursor for what I think the rest of the series is going to hold for us. Uh and in that, and let me just tell you, in that game, game one against Montreal, that was probably the Flyers' worst game that they have played so far since returning to play. Uh, Montreal was like, they are fast. I, I knew Montreal was fast, but they, they're playing faster than the Bruins, than the Lightning. It's crazy. Like, I didn't realize that the Montreal Canadiens were this fast. And if there is a way to kill the Flyers, it is with speed. And if you can combine speed along with your ability to finish and put that puck in the net, it will kill you. But I got faith in Carter Hart for us. I think Carter Hart is going to be the biggest reason why this team can possibly have success in these playoffs. And I can't wait to see what the rest of the NHL playoffs has in store for us. I am so pumped. Game two is tonight against Montreal. Or tonight. It's actually a three. I'm not going to see it, but uh, that's. I'll just record it later. I can't wait. Let's go, Flyers. All right. I'll see you guys later. If you guys missed any of this episode, just go to philly-experience.simplecast.com, available on all major platforms. This episode will be released on Monday at 4 p.m. sharp. So don't miss out. Awesome. Appreciate you guys. Everybody stay safe. I'm not putting up with it. It's too much horse It's too much. I want to see people rip their heart out of their f***ing chest. Take me out, coach. Surprise, mother Kind of circumcising the mosquitoes.